Well, this isn't a sermon about debt or budgeting, and it's not a sermon about giving money to this church. This is a teaching about what the Bible really says that we should be using our money toward. What should we do with our money? What should we do with our resources that God entrusts us with? Should we spend a lot, save a lot, give a lot, give it all away? What should we do? This is a part of a larger teaching series. We're talking through the idea of living a questionable life. About fell. Um, it's just water in that cup. Um, First Peter says that, that our lives should be peculiar. They should be different. And so if we follow Jesus, somebody would look into our life and say, they let, that person lives differently. They live a little odd. But there's something good about it. Like it's a positive thing. And so this morning we're looking financially, and when it comes to generosity, if someone were to look into our life, would they say, man, that's a strange place to live from, but it's a good place. Or does our financial reality just kind of blend in with every average Joe trying to make it in the struggle of life? So we're going to look through those things today. And if you're new to this concept, you know that there are many churches and pastors, famous or infamous, for asking for money for buildings and G6 airplanes... And we need to ask, is is that something biblical, or is that a human thing? What does the Bible really say about how we should spend our money and give our money toward? So I want to start with this passage that I think frames the issue the best. And this is a a really important passage of Scripture, and, 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 and I think that I can and will take my life... Uh, applying this particular passage in many different ways and, and, and thinking through how does it apply to my life and what does it mean for me. And I will never exhaust the implications from this passage of Scripture. This is a really, really important thing. Matthew 25. If you want to turn there in a Bible in front of you, feel free. I'll give you some time to do that. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. If you don't feel like it, it'll be up on the screen behind you. Matthew 25. I'll give you a second to get turned there because some of you are working at it. Jesus is teaching about how to live here and now in a way that prepares ourselves for the day when we face God. He says this. I'm going to start with verse 14, Matthew 25. It'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags of gold, and another one bag of gold, each according to his ability. So a man has his wealth, and he gives it to three different people in different lump sums. And then he went on his journey, and the man who had received five bags of gold uh, went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the one who had received Only one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought another five. 
He says, Master, you've entrusted me with five bags. See, I've gained five more. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, and I'm going to put you in charge of many. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold said, Master, you entrust me with two bags. Here, here's two more. I've gained two more. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Now I'm going to put you in charge of many. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received only one bag of gold said, Master, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you didn't um, plant and reap where you didn't sow. And, and I was afraid, and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. So here, here's the one that you gave me. I'm giving you back the thing that you gave me. His master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I had not sown, gather where I didn't scatter seed. You should have put the money on deposit with bankers so that it would have returned and received back some interest. So take that bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and he will have, they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. <clears throat> so in a parable... This is called a parable. We're not treating it like an allegory where everything represents something. Like everything isn't, it's not a metaphor, it's not symbolic of every single thing. We're looking for the main thing. So this isn't a parable about being thrown into hell because you don't spend your money right. If you could get to heaven by spending your money right, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. It's not a parable about heaven or hell. We're looking for the main point. And the main point is, it's all God's. It's not yours. It's all God's. Everything you have has been entrusted to you by God. But it's all God. So use the things that God has entrusted with you toward the things that God cares about. Even if it doesn't determine our eternity, I don't think anybody wants the shame of facing God knowing that we have done nothing. We have nothing in our portfolio that's important to Him. So for the sake of time, let me break this down quickly and as relevant as I know how. We were given time and money and talents, etc., by God. And we know from the rest of the Bible that God takes pleasure in our joy. And I wouldn't necessarily say God always wants you to be happy or God only wants you to be happy. But there's a father side of God that I know has given us an amazing creation and things to enjoy and takes joy from our joy. So as we spend money on houses and landscaping and the spa and the golf course and you know cars and pets and iPads... I took my boys to, you know, we went as a family to the Indians game yesterday. And biblically, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the things that God has given you to enjoy. But we're called to realize that everything we have is God's first. We have the opportunities 
It's not our hard-earned money because the reason we were able to earn it is because we use the things that God has given us and the opportunities that God has given us and the place that God has put us in time and space to gain the things that we have. It all really comes from God. And we're called to care about the things that God cares about, His work. And when we stand before God one day, there had better be some evidence that we use the things that God has given to us to invest in further the things that matter to him, to his causes. So principle number one is this. It is a peculiar and unusual thing for a person to decide, you know what, this isn't my hard-earned money, it's God's. Everything I have is God's. And I'm going to make sure that I use at least some of it To generously give to further the things that God cares about. That is not typical to have that kind of worldview. But that is a biblical worldview. I think it's a healthy thing for us to look in reverent fear and awe at the many things that we have been entrusted with. If we can learn to see our money and time and energy as God saying, I've chosen you for X amount of years in my story here on earth. You're going to live in the most advanced civilization in the history of the world. With unparalleled opportunity. You get to do this. And you're going to live in a neighborhood with all kinds of people who don't know me. And you're going to come into contact with all kinds of children that you can bless and encourage. Alex, I'm going to give you two little boys, and I want them to be great in my kingdom. I'm entrusting them to your supervision. If God were to talk us through this every morning, I think there would be no ordinary day. And I'm guessing that impeccable landscaping, nothing wrong with that, But it would be a lower priority if we looked with the eyes of stewardship and entrustment that God has given us such incredible opportunity. And it's a gift from God to be used for the things that he cares about. I want to invite you to ask yourself this week, do the things I've been giving my money toward and investing in really matter to God. When I was in college, I was like 20 years old. I'd been dating Kelly for a while, so I didn't have any money. <laughs> I had, and I remember this, I had a $5 bill. <clears throat> and you remember college, if you went to college, like that's just what you have. I had a $5 bill, and that is what I owned. I owned $5. And we lived in a quad. There were eight of us. We got really close. We knew each other well. And a quad is like a, you know, the living space and then four dorm rooms off of it. So there were eight of us in this quad. And we knew what each other liked. And, and, and one of my friends, Brian, from the quad said, I'm going to run to Ralph's. That was the grocery store. And um, he said, anybody want me to get anything? <clears throat> I said, I got $5. Surprise me. I'm thinking, you can get what, like 10 packs of ramen noodles for $5, maybe 15 Or Funyuns. Like, we'll start the bidding at, you know, Funyuns. It needs to be at least Funyun level. Doritos, maybe, you know, microwave pizza, some Coke, whatever. 
and, and he comes back. He, he, he had gotten, with my $5, a loaf of bread, a package of bologna, and mustard. I was like, you took my $5 and brought me bologna sandwiches. I'm going to slice the tires of your car. I... God has given us a lot to invest in toward the things he cares about. And when I face him, I don't want to bring him bologna sandwiches. I want to bring him something that matters to him. And my best advice is if this is new to you, that you just talk yourself through it. Because this can be a brand new concept to many people. And when I'm, when I'm trying to sort of grow thing, I do a lot of like self-talk stuff in the car or write out in my journal. It may sound weird. But it's something like, Alex, God has given you XYZ talents and some time to invest today. And you have $40 in your wallet and, and, and you can use it, but that's God's money. So be watchful for things that matter to God today. You can insert your name. You know, God is sending you to Inatech to work today. And he wants you there because there are dozens of people there who don't know him. And when your boss watches your actions, he's seeing how Jesus would respond in his mind because you are his closest connection or her closest connection to Jesus. And she's learning what followers of Jesus do. By watching you at work. And you remind yourself that you are a steward of God's stuff every day until it really sinks in. Well, let me move to this next thing. Here's a practical dilemma, and I don't have the answer. Like, I can't lay out the implications for your life, but it's a biblical dilemma, and so I'm going to give it to you to wrestle through. There are a few passages in the Bible that go something like this. This is from Proverbs 6. It says, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer to gather food for the winter. This is the idea of financial planning. This is the 401k of the Bible. It's the retirement planning. Save up for yourself now. Be responsible with your money. Create a wall of financial security. It's a biblical principle. But that's mine too. I keep going back and forth. That was from the first service in case you're bothered by that. I have people come up after. You know that wasn't your cup that you drank from? I oftentimes have like six up here from varying weeks because we're not very good at housekeeping up here. Um, What am I talking about? Okay. So financial planning, biblical principle, consider the ant, saves up for itself for times of need. But then we got to balance that with the teachings of Jesus. This is the dilemma. Mark 12. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts, but then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. 
Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. This was an act of extreme financial irresponsibility. This woman didn't care where, she, where her next meal was coming from. She gave away her future food. Extreme financial irresponsibility. The thing is, it wouldn't have even mattered. Like this organization that she gave to wouldn't have noticed. It's like so small of a gift that if they're carrying the collection box and those two coins fell out, they're probably thinking to the, ah, I don't want to put these boxes down to pick up those two coins. Like it didn't even matter. But Jesus applauds her faith and how she rejected her own financial security and gave it all to a cause that was important to her. And important to God. So there's that. And then there's Matthew 19. Jesus says this. Talking to an individual. One specific person. He says, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. This was not give 10%. And then make sure you're set for retirement. And then follow my teachings. This was liquidate your assets. Give it all away to the poor. And then you're ready to follow me. He said it another way in Luke 12. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, your body, what you'll wear. For life is more important than food and your body more important than clothes. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide yourself purses and treasures um, that will not wear out. Treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes, no moth will destroy it. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So it seems like Jesus is advocating financial irresponsibility here in your giving. Irresponsible generosity. Now, I think there's a balance to be struck between saving for ourselves and our family for the, you know, the, rainy, the proverbial rainy day with this kind of irresponsible generosity. But when it comes to the teachings of Jesus, <coughs> you have to look way harder for him advocating financial responsibility than you do for him advocating irresponsible generosity. There's a balance there, and it's probably going to look different for different people. And I don't know how to help you wrestle through that, but what I can say is we need to invite the voice of God into our life to manage this principle because it is a biblical dilemma. What I can say is this. I don't know how much God wants you to give away or to what causes, and I mean that. That's between you and God. But I do know when it comes to caring for those in need, God absolutely wants you to be very, very, very generous. Here's Isaiah 58. This is the passage that changed everything for Polaris Christian Church, and we have rebuilt around. God says, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? And by fasting, he's talking about ritual. He's saying, I don't care about your rituals. This is what I care about. Loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, the things that bind people. 
Set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, clothe them. Don't turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You will call and the Lord will answer. You'll cry for help and I'll say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. Then your light will rise in the darkness. Your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. God is saying, you be crazy generous and I will meet your needs. Now here's a dangerous passage. One verse. And by this verse, we will be able to tell how much we trust God. Not how much we believe in God or how much faith we have, but how much do I, do you, really trust God? Proverbs 19.17. And this is from the New American Standard Version of the Bible, which is considered to be the most accurate translation from the original Hebrew. Here we go. One who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord, and God, he will repay him. Do you trust that? Can you trust that? What if God is really saying, when you give someone to something in need, to one of his causes, that it's as though you are lending money to God, and God is guaranteeing, I will repay you. And we think about a loan, we're, we generally think about like repayment with interest, right? And there are plenty of places in the Old Testament where God says, you be generous and I myself will shower more on you. When we give to the poor, we lend money to God and he will repay us generously. Do you trust that? Is there evidence in your finances and in my finances that we trust that? Think of it like this. I was thinking about this last week. If I could go back five years in time, I would be faced with the opportunity to invest in Under Armour. Something like Under Armour that just rapid growth to where I knew, I knew If I invest in this, it absolutely, positively, without fail, will pay out. Would I limp in or would I liquidate? Would we just say, you know what, I think we're going to skip a pizza and put the $15 in Under Armour. No, we'd be selling third vehicles and stuff, right? I mean, we would be liquidating to get into something that we knew would have a huge payoff in our life. I want to say one more thing about this concept, and let me amp up a little bit here. And I know that there are many pastors and priests and con artists out there that have absolutely wrecked this concept and they have people angry about giving because they've manipulated and lied and stole. But I'm telling you, and if you've been around a while to trust me, and I know some of you haven't, some of you don't know me at all, but if you haven't, you've been around to trust me at all. 
I can tell you that there is no biblical concept or promise that I have seen fulfilled more in my life than this one. Without fail, every time, as a church, as an individual, as you individuals, there's story after story after story of people who have done generous things and seen God pour back into their lives. It happens without fail. I've never known the time that it didn't happen. As surely as I'm standing here, you can trust that principle. You have not begun to see God at work in your life until you trust Him with this principle. And I mean that. When we either see a need and give to it or ask God to speak to our hearts and generously obey what He overwhelms us with, it's a loan to God and He will pay it back generously. So I'd invite you to ask yourself, do I believe that? And is there evidence in my life that I believe that? Now, if you want a place to start with, and listen, I know that this is a big, scary deal if this isn't a part of your life. I know it is. Start with 10% of everything you make. Because God says, test me in this. You give 10% of my causes and see if I don't shower more blessings on you than you can hold. And I, I can tell you, every single time I see somebody try this, and in my own life, there has been no, I mean, this is like law of gravity certainty. It just does what the Bible says it will do. So test God with 10% generosity. And I know that's crazy. I know you'd look at your life and say, how could I do that for many of you? But God says, and this is one of the only places that the Bible where God says, test me in this, test me in this. And, and time and again, when people take that step, it always, don't, don't, and if you, don't, don't even bring it here if, if you think it's a scam, don't. Don't put it in the... Do something that you out there that's close to God's heart. Just test him. Because this is as true as gravity. <clears throat> All right. One last practical thought for you this morning. I think there are... Whoops. I think there are three places that we all can live from, like three different hearts within ourselves that, that influence our generosity. Um, and, and if we want to be more generous, we need to learn to, to kind of keep tabs on which, which Alex is talking. Because there's the first Alex, very real part of my life, consumer Alex. I, I want the thing. I, I want it now. I want the thing. Uh, supersize me. I want the bigger portion. I want to keep the UPS guy coming to my house by clicking on Amazon and buying that thing. I want the thing. I want the stuff. And I mean it. There's a very real part of me that wants the stuff. So there's that, Alex. There's consumer Alex. And within all of us, in various times, various levels, consumer us starts piping up. I want the thing. 
Then there's what I call 730 Roch, Alex. Now, 730 Roch was my address growing up, and it represents for me the safest place on earth. I would get home from school no matter the day, walk through the door, eat whatever was in the pantry, knew I was coming home to a safe and loving environment, and there was plenty of time where 730 Alex or 7.30 Roch Alex just emerges, and I just want to be in my safe place in my house growing up with everything safe. And one of the ways that we do that is to protect ourselves by saving. Not that that's a bad thing, but it's just something to be aware of, that a lot of times we don't trust these principles because we feel like, well, I, I just I need a little more for myself. I'm going to protect myself first, and then I'll be generous. I'm not going to trust God with, with this you know, part of my income because first got to get some debt paid off. First got to get this done. i got to have this much in the bank, and then I'll be generous. It, it's protective, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just something we have to be aware of. This can also be true with our talents and our opportunities. I'm, I'm not going to invest my, my talents in, in that person or my passion or my wisdom in that person. I'm not going to get involved in that situation because who am I? I'm not going to get vulnerable, protect. <clears throat> so there's the consumer Alex and then there's the 730 Roch Alex. And then there's the Isaiah 58 Alex, which pops his head out every now and then to be generous. Isaiah 58 Alex says, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Everything I have is given to me by God to benefit other people. And sometimes I even, I love people. And so I should do something to help. Like I should have the heart of God. And care less about myself and my stuff than I do about the person that has the need. And you know what? Of the three voices, that's the voice that I want. That's the voice that I want to represent me standing before God one day with all of his resources. And so it's learning which voice is thinking and acting right now. Is it consumer Alex? Is it 730 Roch Alex? Or is it Isaiah 58 Alex? And learning to trust the God of Isaiah 58. All right, so I just want to invite, and this is tough stuff, I know it. And I want to invite you to ask, what's God saying and how are you going to respond to it? Let's stand and we'll do one last song, just kind of taking a step out and handing it all over to him. God, thank you for everything that we have. It's all from you. We have lots of opportunities Make us aware of those opportunities. I want to pray that you would embolden Isaiah 58 Alex and Isaiah 58 everybody here and Isaiah 58 Polaris. That we would trust you in this. And that you would show us the certainty of this promise. In Jesus' name, amen.